Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Early voting is underway, and in just over a week, Nashvillians will be heading to the polls to elect new leaders for our city government. The election has been getting a lot of attention, but there's one race on the ballot for a position that tends to fly under the radar of many Nashvillians. Vice Mayor. How many of us actually know what the vice mayor does? If you aren't quite sure, we've got you covered. Today's show is a Citizen Nashville episode all about the vice mayor. Later in the hour, we'll talk with the candidates, incumbent Jim Shulman and council member Angie Henderson, and ask them why they are fit for the job. But first, we're going to kick off the show by learning more about the job itself. And who better to talk about that than a former vice mayor? Howard Gentry served as the vice mayor from 2000 to 2007, and he's currently the Davidson County criminal court clerk. He's also joined by WPLN's interim news director, Tony Gonzalez. Thanks to you both for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. So let's Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you both again. Let, let's run through it for those who are not really super familiar with it. Tony, tell us, what are the responsibilities of the vice mayor? Yeah, I love this question because you either you either know or you don't know. Mm-hmm. And most folks probably don't know what the vice mayor does. But if you've ever gone to a council meeting or watched one on TV or you know covered one like we do as reporters, then the vice mayor is this really important person. Their main job they're doing is running the Metro Council meetings twice each month. Uh, so they're sort of uh, making sure that that the the process is flowing at those council meetings. There's lots of other things they do as well, though. They uh, the vice mayor assigns council members to committees, which are smaller groups that kind of really dig into the proposals that the council's considering. Vice mayor can also call special meetings. Uh, recently, one of those would have been um, to appoint to reappoint Representative Justin Jones back to the state house. Mm. If you recall all of that. And then two other really big things for a vice mayor that just that cannot be left out. Number one, the vice mayor can become the mayor if uh, the mayor were to die or step down, uh, as happened in 2018. Uh, and the uh, the vice mayor can also cast a tie-breaking vote uh, in the Metro Council in the rare circumstance that there is a, a tie okay. on one of the voting matters. All so right. those, that's that's the menu of, of uh, vice mayor duties. Okay, so they're running meetings. They're not out there doing ribbon-cutting ceremonies. It doesn't sound super interesting, but ex- okay, explain to us how and why are those responsibilities so important? Sure, and I think the vice mayor is often out in the community too. But if you've ever been in a bad meeting, mm. you know how, you know, a meeting without a purpose or a meeting that gets out of out of order. So uh, let's not sleep on the meetings thing. So, yeah, so, yeah, so they're running the meeting. I, I think it really is a big thing. And keep in mind, these meetings can run for like four, five, six hours uh, trying to make these decisions for the city. So I do think that, that running the meeting is a big deal. So they're the ones who are kind of banging the gavel. They're the ones calling on the council members when it's their turn to speak or cutting them off mm-hmm. if they've run out of time. Same thing with the residents who come to speak. Um you know, anyone who has, has uh, engaged with the council, like probably has the, the vice mayor's voice like burned into their brain because mm-hmm. you're just you're hearing them throughout that meeting, keeping mm-hmm. things running. And keep in mind, Nashville has this really big city council, 40 members. Uh, there's a lot of rules to follow. Uh, Robert's rules of order, you know, mm-hmm. who gets to make a motion? Who, when are you supposed to debate it? When is it time to take the vote? So, yeah, it's running a meeting, um, but there's a lot at stake. 
Uh, and then there's also just they're setting the tone. Like, is the is there room for some jokes, mm. or is there a very serious matter in front of the city that they're going to kind of kind of weigh in on? So, yes, it's running a meeting, but it's a really important meeting twice a month. Okay, I also imagine that they're attempting to keep the meetings run within a period of time. I heard that there was one that ran till five thirty in the morning. Well, yeah, there's been some record-setting council meetings <laughs> in the last few years. I mean, that's partly the agenda's massive. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they, they can they have the throttle whether they want to try to limit discussion any further. Of course, if you cut it off too soon, that's also unpopular. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so there is a balance, I think, between efficiency and, uh, and hearing people. Yeah. Howard, okay, so tell us, what is it like to become vice mayor? Was it a steep learning curve for you? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I was sitting here just, just kind of laughing, uh, listening, because everything you said is true, except it seems like the most uh, boring, unassuming uh, position to hold in, in, in government, <laughs> listening, hmm. listening to it. But the truth is, it's probably one of the most important positions in government. Uh, becoming vice mayor is uh, is is daunting. It's uh there's so much responsibility, and and uh, yes, you've got 40 members of the council who are kings and queens of their of of, of their districts, and and uh, you have to find a way to allow all of them to represent their their um, their areas um, in which they are looked at as the leaders, and uh, but also do it in a way that. Uh, uh, provides respect to them, but in a way that uh, works for the entire city. And to have people that are both responsible for the districts, but also responsible for uh, creating legislation for the whole city, not just for the day, but also 10, 20 years from now, uh, it, it requires a level of leadership and skill to be able to do that. And yes, there's no school, there's no classes you can take uh, to become a successful vice mayor. And a lot of it is learned on the job, majority of it is. And you have a lot of systems in place that help you with your legal uh, director next to you and other staff members. But uh, you have to prep in between uh, meetings to make sure that you're prepared, you have a game plan, on every piece of legislation that uh, that you know is going to require a lot of discussion, uh, you don't just get up in that chair and start running that meeting without having discussions with your legislation people and the council members to see where they're going with this legislation and what could be the roadblocks and the challenges to get this legislation forward. So uh, the reality is the vice mayor works continuously to prepare for each, prepare for each council meeting and uh, so that they are they've got to have an idea before that legislation hits the floor on on the uh, nuances involved in that legislation. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know when you first get there, uh, if you've never been there, it is it's like whoa, I mean, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> but the good thing about government and situations like this is they start repeating themselves. And a lot of the uh, processes 
are processes that occur each meeting. And so uh, you do become a more efficient and proficient in, in the process, but you never know what's going to come forward and what's not going to come forward. So no, you don't get to vote unless it's a tie, but my goodness, to be able to get to uh, that final vote uh, requires a lot of maneuvering mm-hmm. and leadership abilities that a vice mayor would have to would have to have. Okay, I, so I got a question for you. You have a close relationship with Metro Council members. You preside over the meetings. But what was your relationship with the mayor like? Oh, the relationship with the mayor is not as important as the relationship is with the administration, the mayor's office. Of course, it would be great to have a great relationship with the mayor, but relationship and communication uh, could be two different things. You and the mayor could be on different sides of an issue, but if you can still have communication, it allows you to be able to work through that process because the council a lot of times votes on issues that are counter to what the mayor wants. But it's your job to ensure that however that vote goes, it does happen. So you still have to be able to communicate uh, with the mayor's office. So it might not just be the mayor. It might be one of the staff members or liaison. But uh, it's it's more important to have a relationship and a line of communication with the mayor's office than it is to just have a great relationship with the individual All right. mayor. Now, you mentioned before that the vice mayor casts a tie-breaking vote if the Metro Council is deadlocked. Can you tell us about a time right. you, that you had to break a tie? Well, I had to make, break a tie on about three or four different occasions. Uh, but uh, I guess the most memorable one is the time that uh, we had the sexual orientation bill, which... Um, you know, 10 years ago, I might not talk about it as freely, but right now uh, it is a good lesson, especially for a vice mayor or a person wanting to be a vice mayor. And that is that uh, the bill was a good bill starting out. But as it went through readings, it started to become watered down. And so um, as vice mayor, you know, it's my job to make sure a bill continues to move forward. But uh, the city of Nashville became so um, incensed. Uh, you had people from Kansas City coming down uh, with uh, having bonfires out front, making just totally derogatory statements about um, uh, people's sexual orientation. It just got ugly. And in the second reading, it was so ugly that that they even were in the chambers and holding up signs, uh, making derogatory statements and had to be put out of the room. Uh, I was uh, made privy to the fact that the bill was not going to pass on third reading and people out of respect were, uh, you know, council at that time, the council really wasn't ready mm-hmm. uh, for that. Uh, and, and I was not one of those, but, The fact is that knowing what I knew and seeing what I saw, I thought it was my job to just calm the city down and to end this. And on the second reading, it was a tie and I voted against the bill. And of course, 50 percent of the people uh, loved me for it. 50 percent of it hated me for it. 
And the truth is that I knew I couldn't win, but I really thought I was doing everybody uh, justice by doing it. But as I've had time to reflect on it, uh, people who bring legislation forward deserve to see the legislation go through. I would have hated if somebody had done that uh, during the uh, uh, segregation and integration to mm. to kill the opportunity for me to be able to uh, to move forward as an African-American. So uh, the decision I made, I made a leadership decision. I made uh, uh, a decision. I, I mean, a strong choice. But the fact is, if I had to do it over again, I would have allowed the bill to uh, go into his third reading and fail. Mm. Just give it the respect that it was due. So that's my take on it. Uh, the, another person might have a different take on it. I don't care. Hmm. The fact is that this is my lesson, what I learned. And and it's not always good because the vice mayor does have power on the council floor. You're the, you are the chairman of the council and you do have power. You can cut the mics on, cut them off. You, it's power, more powerful than you think. And uh, uh, we got to be careful on when we yeah. utilize that power and, and why we utilize it. So okay. lesson to be learned. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a valuable lesson for us all. Now, we have two candidates running for vice mayor. They're both going to be joining us in a few minutes. Jim Shulman the, is mm-hmm. the incumbent. Tony, who is he and what's his term been like? Yeah, so uh, Jim Shulman, uh, he has worked for the state. He's been in and around government at a couple of levels. He's also worked for nonprofits, and he was a council member before he became vice mayor in 2018. Uh, Since then, as we all know, it's been kind of a hard time for the city. There's been some huge decisions to make, obviously some some traumatic events, uh, So, uh, including uh, for the council itself having to meet remotely uh, during you know the peak of the pandemic. in terms of his term, I mean, he came in um, really saying he wanted to be a convener, someone who could get people who disagree uh, kind of around the table to, to sort of chart a, an action path. Uh, that said, there's been a lot of division along the way. I mean, there's been some really contentious meetings. Uh, you can see something like uh, divisions over like the the stadium, the football stadium, uh, divisions over taxation, the, the tax rate, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, uh, he came in with the convener idea. It's been... It's been a tough time, I think, for a lot of folks. Uh, the other thing I would point out, um, uh, Jim Shulman made a point to create some special task forces to take up some really urgent issues that the city had. Uh, and I think that led to some pretty good research and uh, to some new policy proposals as well. Well, what about his opponent, Angie Henderson? Who is she and what's she been saying about how she do things differently? Yeah, so Angie Henderson, uh, you'll get to hear soon as well. Uh, she's been a district level council member. Uh, Before that, she worked in marketing, has also worked in fundraising for universities. Uh, On the council, I would describe her as being very, like, fiercely independent, um, not afraid to take, uh, you know, an unpopular stance or to be critical of, like, a proposal from the mayor's office, for example. Uh, So, so you could, you always, you're going to know where she stands on a matter. Um, She's also willing to take on really kind of complicated policy issues um, related to development, related to sidewalks. Uh, so I think that's kind of what's what's marked her term as, as a council member. Um, and, yeah, I think she's she's suggesting that there could be some new processes to make sure that council members uh, 
know how the council and how Metro and how the mayor's office works. I think she wants to see council members uh, better educated about the job they're going to do. Now, now, Howard, you know, the vice mayors generally remain neutral on policy issues, except in specific cases. When do you think it's appropriate for a vice mayor to weigh in on Metro Council decisions? And when is it better to be neutral? We have just over two minutes left. Well, uh, the vice mayor is never neutral. They they have the they they show neutrality. Uh, you know, you're going to have an opinion on every bill that comes forward, but um, uh, you you have to sh- you 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 cannot always uh, speak on it or or act on it. And and the truth is, uh, when it's the right time and wrong time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that there's a long time, but you just have to function within the council and within the governmental structure more so than functioning uh, publicly and and stating your positions publicly. So uh, I I, I won't. uh, It's no textbook uh, way of of handling uh, your positions other than the fact that your position should not be uh, normally. Uh, shown in a, in a public way, only in within the work that you're doing within council. Like you need to get the budget passed. Mm-hmm. The budget needs to pass every time it comes forward. It would not be a good idea for the vice mayor to stand up and say, I'm not going to vote for this budget or I don't think this budget should pass. If you don't like the budget, you need to be working that within the council and within the administration to help to get it to a place uh, where it is something that you can agree with. But to take a public stand on it would probably be a wrong time if there's a wrong time. All right. That is Davidson County criminal court clerk Howard Gentry, who served as vice mayor from 2000 to 2007. He was joined by WPLN interim news director Tony Gonzalez. Thanks to you both for really explaining the value of this super important position. I appreciate it. Yeah, great to be here. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll meet the candidates running for vice mayor, incumbent Jim Shulman and Angie Henderson. Do you have a question for the candidates? If so, tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Citizen Nashville. Early voting ends this Saturday, and Election Day is just a week away. We know a lot of you have yet to cast your ballots, and that is totally okay. Nashvillians need to know everything possible about who to vote for and why. We are electing our city's leaders for the next four years, after all, y'all. Today, we're focusing on the vice mayor. And before the break, we heard about the duties of the vice mayor. Now let's meet the folks running. District 34 Councilmember Angie Henderson is vying against incumbent Jim Shulman, who's been Nashville's vice mayor since 2018. Jim, Angie, thank you for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having us. Really appreciate it. So we're going to ask you questions. And to keep time, we're trying to make this as fair as possible. You've got 90 seconds to answer unless I say otherwise. Y'all ready? We are. We're ready. All right. To kick things off, let's start with what you want to do as vice mayor in this next term. You each have two minutes. Jim Shulman, we'll begin with you. Well, and and thank you for having us. Uh, And I thought Howard um, Gentry did an excellent job of kind of describing, you know, the role of the vice mayor. Um, 
There are obviously um, a number of issues still pending uh, that um, the city is looking at. If you listen to uh, the mayoral candidates, there are so many issues flying around Nashville, whether it's affordable housing or whether it's uh, increase in crime, whether it's transit, whether it's infrastructure, overdevelopment. Uh, so there's going to be a number of issues going on uh, within the city over the next four years. I think the idea is to make sure that our council members are, um, again, properly involved, there is good, adequate communication, that they are educated on these different issues that are flying around. Um, and so the idea is to, is to make sure that good communication is flowing um, typically between the mayor and the vice mayor and then the vice mayor to the council. Um, the vice mayor can serve as a um, kind of a conduit between the mayor's office and, um, and the council. And um, as Howard said, doesn't necessarily mean that, um, that the vice mayor is going to um, agree with everything that the mayor does, but the mayor brings a substantial amount of legislation. And, and I think part of the role of the vice mayor is to make sure that the push is on with the mayor's office and the departments and anybody else who's bringing legislation to make sure that the council members have adequate information before them and that they can make sound, good, good sound decisions. And that's part of the role of the vice mayor. All right. Thank you for that. Angie Henderson. Thank you, Khalil. Uh, I'm running, I think, to bring a different perspective to this role. And I appreciate uh, Mr. Gentry's uh, perspective very much. That was great, great insight. I've served on the council for eight years, uh, and many of those years I have been chair of a committee uh, where we do our legislative oversight. And so I, I feel that uh, onboarding the council, making sure the council is well informed uh, about uh, how metro government works, what our strategic plans have been, uh, folks really feel like things are out of alignment, both council members and the community. We've had three mayors in a time that we would typically have one. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, churn um, in uh, leadership. And so I think it is very important uh, that we organize the office to support council members in district service and make sure that council members have the information that they need, but also sort of level set around how we want to do this committee work. How do we ask good questions? How do we know that uh, history? Uh, and uh, I think there's a reason the vice mayor and the mayor don't run on the same ticket. The vice mayor does not carry the mayor's water. We're all on Team Nashville, right? Um, we're all working towards ideally those same strategic goals, but we need the policy and the legislation aligned with our strategic plans and aligned with our budget. And so uh, supporting council members in that committee work is so very important because we need to ask critical questions. We need to understand the history. So uh, I, I'm, I'm running to uh, do the work, I think, in a different and better way. All right. Thank you. Okay. So what do you think Nashville's biggest challenge is going to be in the next few years? And how specifically can the vice mayor help address that challenge? Angie, you're up first. So I think uh, we need to get back on track with many of the things that we have been speaking about for almost a decade now, uh, transit, affordability, land use policy. And so uh, we have uh, several strategic plans that we have not fully implemented from a policy perspective. And so your city council is your legislative branch. Uh, we do need actionable, accountable, adopted strategic plans 
I was the uh, policy subcommittee chair for our walk and bike strategic plan. And um, many of the recommendations of that plan are things that I have brought forward. Tony alluded to that, some major countywide policy work. Uh, Davidson County is a very uh, difficult place to do uh, uh, legislation because we're 526 square miles, urban, rural, suburban. So there's some real uh, uh, challenge in doing the work. And I think uh, supporting council members, sharing that experience uh, is important uh, to focus on the policy piece. All right. Thank you for that. Jim. So um, obviously lots of issues, as we talked about before. Um, I happen to believe at this point that the most important issue that this city is facing um, is school safety. Um, Because of the things that have been happening in this nation and because of the Covenant School, uh, I believe that the council has to, uh, this new council has to immediately focus, and we've already been focusing, Council Member Jeff Syracuse, uh, who runs our public safety um, committee, had a series of three meetings to talk about school safety. He had one at Hillsborough High School. Um, that issue alone uh, is going to take a tremendous amount of work, working with the school board, uh, working with Dr. Battle, working with the new mayor and the new administration. Um, we have got to pay attention to it. We have got to keep an eye on that, and we have got to make sure that we are funding whatever is needed to to deal with this issue. We have got to uh, keep our kids safe. That's the number one issue. Um, other issues floating around, what I would say on those things is that I, the council has to deal with it, but we also have to be accountable uh, to the city and to its taxpayers. And what I mean by that is um, if we're going to do programs and we need to deal with these things, and so does the new administration, uh, we need to find out what the resources are that are available to do these things. We need to make sure those resources are spent appropriately. And then we have to make sure that we measure the results of those things. So if we're giving out money to different All programs. Right, that's time. Thank okay. you very much. All right. This next question is for Angie. It sounds like, you know, you want to add a lot more work to your plate as vice mayor. You want to beef up the training new council to member service. Are you worried that you're spreading yourself too thin? I'm not. Um, I'm fortunate to be able to give this job my full professional attention, um, and it needs it. Um, so Nashvillians pin so much of their hopes um, and dreams for their city on their mayor. Um, and we have a strong mayor system. And, uh, you know, so that individual uh, uh, gets uh, paid a kind of commensurate level, um, whereas the vice mayor uh, you know, is about 4,000 more, I think, Jim, than a council member. So I think, you know, 23,000 for council members, 27,000. Um, not everyone is able to give it the full professional attention, I would assert, mm-hmm. <laughs> in time, not when um, I or Jim might be in leadership. The city should look at that because uh, you are leading the council office. It is, um, to Mr. Gentry's point, about process, um, kind of back of house. How are we supporting council members? How are we level setting about the work that we do? What are the expectations around that work? Asking good questions, sharing what the history is, supporting council members in their policy goals, and making sure those policy goals are aligned with our adopted strategic plans, right? Somebody needs to be um, a legislative uh, convener and educator and supporter um, you are in a mostly neutral position. It's about how we do the work and making sure the process is clear, transparent, 
productive. We don't need to create all due respect. All um, right. That's time. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank yep. you very much. If you're just tuning in, this is Citizen Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour with the candidates for vice mayor, Jim Shulman and Angie Henderson. You can tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, Jim, what's your response to Angie's assertion that there's more that can be done to help new council members? Well, so we have an orientation at the beginning of the term. Um, and last term uh, at the beginning, uh, we had two days of orientation. The first day was uh, kind of the basic information. What does the staff do? We have a director of the council, and we have different people on that staff that do different things for council members. And we also went through the basic stuff about, you know, what is the agenda going to look like? What are committees? Uh, how, do all, how does all that work? The second day of orientation, we actually spent on issues. And uh, I remember we uh, had so many people that wanted to talk to the council, we gave a number of people about 10 minutes each to talk about a particular issue so that people would have some idea. The council members would have an idea about what issues they might be facing. Um, I think it probably lasted too long. I, I'm not sure if we're going to do that this time. Um, I think this time, um, um, and this would be if I'm reelected, obviously, um, I think we're going to focus more on um, how how these meetings run um, and and what is it like to be a council member. I thought the issue stuff last time would be helpful, but I think we need to spend more time on um, making sure that the new council members particularly understand how we function. What is the information coming from the mayor's office? Um, how do you take that information? How do you understand an agenda? And, and how do you make it all work? All right. Okay, so Angie, you said you want to lead some important bills through city council and make city council more of a check on the mayor. What do you say to people who think that that would be taking too much power as vice mayor? Right. And so I, I'm not saying that I would lead those initiatives. Again, it is looking at our strategic plans listening to council members about what their policy goals are, right? So I ran for office um, to elevate and expand uh, sidewalk policy, safe streets policy. Um, I assume and hope we'll have a, a strong cohort of, of those folks for our next council, council term. So it really is about supporting the work of council members. If you talk uh, to this term council members, they feel insufficiently supported, insufficiently prepared, um, and so it, it really is about helping the body do the work. Uh, you know, when you have a 40-member body uh, with diverse interests, uh, you've got to kind of see uh, how people uh, can uh, work together uh, to align those policy interests, to align those with our strategic plans, and move things forward. You can't, as in current leadership, just, you know, kind of, willy-nilly, um, uh, I, I just think you've seen us not be as productive, um, and the productivity has often relied on just the um, the energy or motivation of a, a smaller cohort of council members because district council members are underwater. Um, we are barely keeping our head above water, and uh, council members need some support, and when they are better supported, that helps citizens feel that their government is is more responsive to them. All right. Thank you. Okay, we have a listener question for you, Jim. It okay. says about the Titan Stadium deal, quote, why didn't you put the Titan Stadium deal on hold after the Covenant shooting? Um, 
so the the uh, the stadium deal was um, actually underway long before the Covenant School shooting, um, and um, Covenant School shooting was obviously a, a tragic thing for this city, and um, we're still dealing with that. Um, the stadium itself, um, uh, they started um, a special committee was basically formed to study that last uh, started last fall. Um, and so they had been spending a number of months looking at the stadium um, as it went through. Uh, there were discussions about how to deal with all these things that were going on. Obviously, Nashville has experienced quite a number of tragedies. Um, but um, I don't necessarily control um, when these bills move. Uh, that's up to the sponsors of the bill. Um, so um, I know there's been discussions, particularly as the Speedway stuff has come up, about making sure that there was plenty of time to look at these pretty complicated deals. The stadium deal had been studied for many months before the Covenant School shooting. Um, again, Covenant School shooting, tragic for this city. And um, again, still dealing with it. But uh, the process goes on. And uh, I think there were discussions with the sponsors about whether we would keep talking about it. Obviously, we kept talking about lots of different things. But um, uh, as I said, school safety is the number one issue facing this city. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the candidates for vice mayor, incumbent Jim Shulman and council member Angie Henderson. Do you have a question for them? You still have time to send it in by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Citizen Nashville. Today's episode is all about the vice mayor. There are two candidates running for the seat, and they've been kind enough to sit down with us and answer questions. Incumbent Jim Shulman and council member Angie Henderson, thank you both again for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. Okay, so let's get on to the rest of the questions we have for you. Again, each of you will have 90 seconds to answer, unless... I happen to say otherwise. Now, I, I want to talk about online engagement. Jim, it's been a few years since you've updated your online presence. And being online isn't the only way to engage with your constituents. But nowadays, it is an important one. How do you engage with Nashvilleians? So it's a good question. Um, I think what we try to do is send out the agenda every meeting so people can actually look at it. Uh, we started a process um, working with a, a news station in town where we invite different council members every time we have a council meeting uh, to actually talk through what's important on the agenda for that particular evening. Um, in terms of trying to engage with people, um, basically, um, because I was a council member at large before this, so um, I've run citywide several times. Um, what you do is you try to go to as many different things as, uh, as you can. Um, I learned a long time ago because I, I used to work for state government. I used to work for the Speaker of the House that um, you don't show up just at election time. What you do is you spend time throughout uh, your term going to as many different places as possible. And Councilmember Henderson's right. It's a big city, a big area. So uh, you got to go to Jolton, you got to go to Antioch, you got to go everywhere in between, and um, 
so over the last four, five years as vice mayor, try to be everywhere I can be to talk to citizens, to find out whether they're concerns. And uh, the special subcommittees were in a, uh, that we started at the last term were a part of just listening to what citizens were concerned about. So it's staying in touch and engaging with, with people. All right. Thank you. Angie, tell us, what's your approach to communicating with Nashvillians and keeping them up to date? I think you have to be both in person and online, specifically because we are a 526 square mile county. Not everybody can get to every meeting. Uh, having uh, that engagement online is important. And, uh, you know, the current vice mayor has started a new Twitter account every time he's had a campaign. And then he doesn't use that Twitter account at all. And, uh, you know, uh, journalists, community uh, folks are online. And so there really is an important educating role uh, that council members and uh, the vice mayor uh, can and should do. So, yes, Jim does send uh, one email with the uh, agenda. Um, he did do, to his credit, some nice uh, kind of online interviews uh, during during the pandemic. Um, but I think we have to be very intentional uh, about our social media uh, uh, communication um, to engage and educate uh, the citizens around all these uh, processes. Government can seem very uh, inaccessible um, and uh, unapproachable. And so uh, not everybody can get to a meeting. And that's really why I think we've got to be uh, online. And I think I have had a, a productive uh, and educating online uh, experience uh, or record rather uh, in my district service. All right. Then this next question is for you both. Each of you has a lot of experience with Metro Council and how it works. What do people not know about our city government that you wish they knew? Angie. I think I wish citizens knew how difficult the work is to do uh, because we are hamstrung somewhat by state government in our ability to interact with each other collegially just to talk about issues. Um, so if I want to call up a colleague and say, hey, you know, what, what do you think about, uh, you know, our, our stormwater regs? How are we going to update those next? I, I had an interesting conversation uh, this, this week. Um, as Metro has currently interpreted it, I think we've sort of painted ourselves into a corner because that conversation might result in policy. I can't call my colleague and talk about that. Um, there's nothing that we're hiding, um, right? I would be very happy to publicly notice at 48 hours a coffee with my colleague to go and speak about, uh, you know, updating our stormwater regs. Um, but it, it, it very much constrains us in our ability to build a rapport as a body around the policy goals that we have. And so the vice mayor can be uh, that, uh, that kind of thread and that glue, I think, um, among council members um, to get them uh, talking to each other um, as appropriate. But, you know, the, the hypocrisy of, uh, you know, state legislators not similarly constraining themselves, um, it, is, it is very difficult to do the work that we do. I can't send an email to a colleague and say, uh, as interpreted by Metro presently, presently, hey, look what they're doing in this other city. Isn't that interesting? We should learn something. That's why that online presence is so important, Khalil, because I can put that out into the universe. Okay. Colleagues see that and they know maybe this is something we can work on. All right. Thank you. Jim. Yeah, I think it's a, a couple things with, um, um, and obviously I've been in government, both local and state for a, for a long time. Um, and I think the biggest problem is access in by 
the citizens of Nashville and Davidson County saw that with the state as well. Uh, people not sure of how to get access to services or to find out kind of what's available. Um, we have lots of different programs. Um, you know, you look at the trustee in terms of uh, tax assistance and tax freezes, things like that. Trying to get information out to citizens and then get them to understand that these things are available, their services available, and then to find ways to make sure that that when people call in, they they don't necessarily get the runaround. Um, there are, um, I would also say that there are a lot of newcomers to Nashville and Davidson County, and a lot of people that um, don't necessarily, um, uh, they use English as a second language. Um, and um, some of those, so these are people who live in Davidson County um, who would like to be able to access services. And so the more we can get these things done in different languages uh, to make people feel comfortable about their government, to make sure that people feel like we're approachable and they can certainly come to the council meetings and they can come to meetings that we have all across the city, they can get, they can get access to more services. So I think it's access. I think that's what it is. All right. Thank you. If you're just tuning in, this is Citizen Nashville, and I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. We're talking this hour with the candidates for vice mayor, Jim Shulman and Angie Henderson. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Another question for both of you. How will you impact the procedures and rules to enable the public to have more of a voice at Metro Council meetings? Jim. So um, the state just passed a law that says we have to have public comment now at every meeting. Um, and that's great. I'm, I'm pleased with that. Um, under the when David Briley was vice mayor, he conducted a series of meetings uh, countywide to find out better ways to get access um, uh, from constituents to find ways to get information. And so uh, the council decided at that point to have public comment periods on the second meeting of every month, except for June when we passed the budget. So we set up a process where you could sign up in advance. Uh, you'd have two minutes to speak. Um, and I think we reserved 10 spots. Again, you had to sign up in advance. Um, you could not speak about anything on the agenda, which I always thought was a little strange, but I understood why, because it could get out of hand. Um, so um, under the new law that the state has passed, uh, we have public comment at every meeting. Uh, we can put some limitations on, but they can also talk, individuals can talk about information that is on the agenda. And we also do it with our committees uh, now. So the state has now passed this and we will follow it. And what we need to do is make sure that people understand that they should take advantage of that. So what's disappointing sometimes is if you have 10 slots and only two people sign up, you need to make sure that people understand, make it easy for people to communicate and, and let people know, everyone know in the city that if they want to say something about what we've got, they can talk to us. All right. Okay. Thank you. Angie. So I think uh, having public comment is very important, and I think citizens are often surprised that there are certain types of bill bills that uh, do not have that. Uh, so I stood up uh, for uh, a public hearing and called for a public hearing on the Titan Stadium. That would not have happened uh, without my stepping up uh, to uh, advance that. And uh, to Vice Mayor's point about uh, public comment that we had already established, it had not been uh, very well utilized. But that goes back to kind of our earlier conversation about 
being online, being intentional. Why weren't people coming and using that opportunity? Were we being uh, coordinated and constructive in making sure that was in every council member's newsletter? Were we putting it out on social media? Um, we have to invite um, uh, the community to engage with us uh, online, in person, in committee. And part of what the vice mayor is doing is narrating the work. And I don't think current leadership has done a particularly good job in kind of speaking into the room what we're doing. Why is this happening? Um, uh, and I, I think we can do better. All right. This, this question, next question is for you, Jim. You, you say that civility is important to you. So how would you ensure that the workplace culture within our city government is positive and effective? Uh, so I guess say it again, the, the workplace conduct in, in terms of uh, workplace culture, how would you ensure that workplace culture within our city government is positive and effective? So um, what we want to do is make sure that people are in employees are treated well. Uh, there are certainly harassment um, policies and and non-discrimination policies within metro government. So we make sure that is clear. Um, again, we um, don't necessarily we don't oversee other departments. We have a council office that we can, that we don't necessarily control. We have a director of the council that runs that office and makes sure that those policies are done. So we always want to make sure that um, people are treated well and that there is no discrimination, no harassment or anything like that. Same thing goes for anything that we might have any type of um, control over in terms of metro government. Um, I mean, uh, we're a... a we're a, a, a great city. It's a great city to be in. Obviously, there are issues that we're dealing with, but we want to treat people fairly. And that gets into different things like um, how do you make sure that m more uh, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses get to participate in a lot of the things that are going on, making sure that, um, that, again, we treat everybody fairly. Everybody has access to the systems. People can participate in their government and feel like they're being treated well. All right. Thank you. And Angie. I think the question was about civility. Yeah. The and question for you I have is, I'm sorry, is, uh, you know, what ideas do you have to create a new culture at Metro Council? So I think uh, what you've seen in our body is it is particularly uh, divisive at, at this juncture. Um, we're not all getting along uh, particularly well. I think that does go to leadership. Um, I don't think the vice mayor has a very strong record in this regard. Um, you've seen that in his uh, former uh, uh, leadership at uh, Safe Haven. Um, and I think you see that in, in the body. Um, I think there are people that are concerned uh, that the vice mayor picks favorites, uh, can be petty. Um, I, I think we... Uh, I was strongly motivated to run um, by colleagues asking me, left, right, center, returning colleagues, new colleagues, they want us to do uh, better as a body. And so uh, I, I don't think current leadership has fostered a productive uh, culture. And so that is part of what motivates me to run. All right, this question is for you both. Angie, please answer first. Um, are you prepared to work with whomever wins the mayoral race. And that, and how would you ensure that the working relationship is of benefit to the city? Absolutely. I will work with whomever Nashvillians choose to serve as mayor. We are 
on Team Nashville, right? We have to work together. And so, uh, again, as I mentioned at the start, we run on a separate ticket for a reason, for checks and balances and good governance. The mayor holds a lot of power in this city. And if the vice mayor just sort of abdicates that role and it's just sort of, you know, nothing to see here, going along to get along, banging the gavel, cutting the ribbons, uh, and not uh, being intentional about the work, uh, there absolutely is a wonderful synergy that can happen when a mayoral administration is well run. And it is very clear who does what in that administration, who has what in their policy portfolio, how that is aligned with the strategic plans, and how council then comes alongside to say, these are the goals of this city and this administration. How are we going to do the policy work to get this stuff done? So I am a doer. I am a bridge builder. Um, I'm not a bridge burner. I will work with whomever Nashvillians choose. Jim. Um, so I, I think, um, um, yeah, I can work with any anybody. And uh, I think I've proved that over the 16 years I've been on the council. Uh, I know there's a lot of things being thrown at me right now. But, um, yeah, I, I tend to get along with anybody. And uh, I think you could probably ask most of the mayoral candidates who I've seen throughout this election cycle that, yeah, we all, we all work together. Um, I would say that, um, yeah, everybody tries to work together to make this stuff done. It's not easy. It hasn't been easy over the last four years. Um, a lot of the divisiveness that you saw in Washington somehow managed to find its way down into the city council. Uh, it's a lot different than it used to be. And, um, you know, when I was a district council member, council members um, kind of stood up for each other and worked very, very hard together. And there were disagreements, but you left them on the floor. Um, um, it's changed over time, probably to some extent because of social media, where you don't leave it on the floor. You um, you get stuff done, and then you go home, and then somebody has said something about you on social media. But um, Vice Mayor works very, very hard. It's a pretty tough job. And um, in my five years as Vice Mayor of the city, I have not cut a lot of ribbons. That's not what I do. It's a lot of work to get all this stuff done and get this agenda prepared and get it, get it, basically allow the council to do its business. All right. I want to really thank you both for being with us. I want thank to thank you. the candidates for Vice Mayor Jim Shulman and Angie Henderson. Thank you for coming onto the show and answering these questions. Nashvillians, truly appreciate this. Right. Thank, thank you. you so much. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Char Daston. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Simone Boyd. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Lake Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>